Live from Casa del Rio in Nashville, Tennessee, just down the river from the Grand Ole Opry, it's the Dreamer's Road with Stephanie Urbina-Jones and the Honky Tonk Mariachi. Grab a seat, grab a drink, saddle up, and let's take a ride down this Dreamer's Road. Vamanos, y'all. Hola, mis amigos. This is Stephanie Urbina-Jones coming to you. I hope each of you had a wonderful Christmas found some sweet moments and joys with those you love, spent some family time, even if it was over Zoom. I'm so excited to be here with y'all tonight. Uh, I'm so excited to share with you one of my favorite people in the world. Uh, Mr. Bill Whirl is gonna be coming up in a little while. I have an interview with him. Here he is, a picture of him, you guys. Famed sculptor, painter, writer, and an amazing, amazing artist of life. There's some people that you learn so much just by being with in their presence, in their joy, in their creation. And of course, Mr. Bill Whirl, I, I, I'm privileged and lucky that my road, my dreamer's road crossed his about 20 years ago when I was just learning how to dream and believe. And he was already a magnificent dreamer creating these sculptures and paintings and songs. You're going to get to hear all about it. You know, uh, there was a song when I first, uh, a book that many of us read many years ago that came out by Julia Cameron, the artist. People and living and being around Bill world is gives you that kind of feeling. After I met Bill, I had a big dream in my heart. Many of you know about it. Uh, I built a house in, in just outside of Nashville on the Cumberland River. It's the same river that crosses through downtown Nashville. And I used to go um, to the third floor of the house that we built and you could see the Grand Ole Opry. And for 20 years, I would dream as that boat would go by carrying my dreams down the river praying that one day I too would get to debut. And here's a moment I wanted to share with y'all. I wanna dedicate this to the late, great Charlie Pride. Is anybody going to San Antonio? A little snapshot from my debut at the Grand Ole Opry, you guys. Check it out. I still can live that moment over and over again. I always say some dreams are worth living, a, dreaming a lifetime to live. And that certainly was one of them. Again, I'm so excited, you guys. I hope y'all are listening in, 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 inviting your friends and your family and even your kids in for this very special interview with this very special human being that talk, 
taught me about the big eye and what that meant. The big eye. Stephanie, do you have the big eye? What's going on in your in your heart? What's going on in your imagination? He taught me about art and the art that comes from the heart and about the architect of the universe. And he reminds me over and over again that God loves it when we dance. I'm so honored and excited to be sharing an interview with you with Mr. Bill Whirl. Check out this little snapshot of a documentary about him before our interview. Ein la madrugada Full moon above Bill Whirl, famed visual artist, sculptor, writer, songwriter, musician, adventurer, canoeist, dog lover, and collector of people. The rains came and they kept coming, they kept coming and... A four or five foot wall of water came down carrying rocks and stones and logs. We spent five to six days on the Pecos. Two of those days we were holed up in caves waiting for a flash flood to recede enough to where we could continue the odyssey. What he tells is that he knew from right then that it was going to change his life. Hola, mis amigos, and welcome back. I am so deeply, deeply honored and excited this Christmas season to be here with one of my all-time favorite people in the whole world. As I just shared with you all, my dreamer's road crossed the paths of this amazing artist, sculptor, painter, adventurer, and the list goes on and on, Mr. Bill Whirl. Hey, Bill! Hello, Stephanie. <laughs> it's so nice to see you. Oh, it just warms my heart to see you. You know, I I love I've loved doing this Dreamers Road mostly because I get to connect with people that have crossed my road and my path and really been forks in the road like you were for me. And so I'm honored to be here today to interview you and to share your magic with so many people. The honor is mine. <laughs> well, let's get started. So here's, All right. here's my first question. You know, I've been doing my research and of course I knew this, but what was it like growing up in Colorado City, Texas? You know, how did nature, how did... How did the Wild West and Texas influence who you became on your dreamer's road? It was a marvelous set of experiences, one after another, after another, after another, after another. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be reared in this small little town. Population was about 5,000, and I think that's because the Chamber of Commerce counted the parakeets and dogs and pets that people <laughs> had. Uh, three blocks to the east, and I could be at the city park. No, that was six blocks. Uh, six blocks to the west, I could be on the banks of the what you would call the Colorado River, uh, which locals call the Colorado River starts up <clears throat> near the border of New Mexico and Texas, 
flows through the state of Texas down to Matagorda Bay. Marvelous river loaded on side to side with ancient Indian campsites. And we used to prowl those hills and find arrowheads and flint artifacts by the sackfuls. <laughs> and it was, it was just a constant adventure. Uh, what, what they called public schooling seemed to get in the way of our adventures many times. <laughs> we would much rather be out on the creek banks, you know, chasing down animals or hunting arrowheads or doing something than we had sitting in a classroom. But it was just a marvelous, marvelous experience. We kind of, Colorado City, as the locals call it, Colorado would be the correct pronunciation. Uh, it's north of San Angelo, 70 miles, west of Abilene, 68 miles, east of Big Spring, 40 miles, south of Lubbock, 100 miles. And we thought the world ended somewhere over in the San Angelo, Abilene, Big Spring, Lubbock area. We thought that was the drop-off place. <laughs> Whether it was round or flat, that was kind of the end of the world. And, and it was amazing to us that somebody might know somebody who knew somebody who had met somebody. <laughs> like... Perry Como, somebody from Colorado City had met Perry Como. And we were all amazed that somebody from Colorado City had met Perry Como. And Roy Rogers and Dale Evans came to town one time. They had a big parade and we could not believe that these two famous people were there in our little hometown and others that came along. and. We thought it, life was so dull, <laughs> but now from our perspective of more advanced ages, we realize how absolutely rich life was. And we were kings and queens and living in a wonderful, wonderful world. And we didn't have a clue at the time, but we do now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you for sharing that, world. I, I, I'm always um, so intrigued by what makes someone become who they are. And of course, there's a lot of things and a lot of people and a lot of moments that make us. And then we just come into this world, right, with this, with some kind of imprint. But what I know is that you left Colorado City and you went on to to college and you became a preacher and a teacher and an artist and and this great adventurer and then in may of 1979 was it i understand there was some big fork in the road that really redirected your life can you tell us about that sure uh i was actually at the time 
teaching art at Odessa College in Odessa, Texas. Now, for those of you who do not know where Odessa, Texas is, uh, we used to call it Odessalation. And uh, I used to tell people that hellfire won't come as a shock to anyone who's been to Odessa. The, uh, I had a wonderful job there at Odessa College, and it was transforming in my life. Uh, I was doing a lot of photography, and I wanted to do a little mini documentation of the lower Pecos River. Pecos River starts in the Truchas Wilderness of New Mexico, flows across the state of New Mexico, across the state of Texas, and makes a confluence with the Rio Grande near uh, Langsry, Texas which is west of Del Rio, some 70 miles or something like that. So we decided to put canoes in at uh, Pandale, Texas. And our calculations led us to think probably pretty accurately that Pandale was 66 miles from Mexico. So on the latter part of May 1979, we put three, we put two canoes in the Pecos at Pandale. I used to direct the National Aquatic Schools for the Boy Scouts of America. So I was a good canoeist. And I had a staff person who was gonna go on this trip with us. He backed out right at the last minute and I had one totally green novice and another almost green novice to operate a canoe. And then I would be in a canoe and I was told we couldn't make it and we couldn't do it and all that, but we were gonna do it anyway. So we put, these two canoes in at Pandale, Texas, and spent five or six days on the lower Pecos canoeing down to Mexico. Uh, started out one of those beautiful mornings, sunshine, balmy, nice spring morning, you know. But by the time we were finished with that trip, we had been through the most violent electrical storms I've ever been in with the exception of being in the epicenter of the Lubbock tornado, that famous tornado on May 11th, 1970. That was a harrowing experience. And we got almost that kind of violence, which drove us to take shelter in some overhangs. We'll call them caves, but they're, really rock shelters on the banks of the Pecos River. So we're cruising along and the weather's looking ominous. And we decide we'd better get close to that cave we spotted down the river in a contingency of if we happen to need shelter. So we camped that night and 
sometime in the madrugada, <laughs> the uh, raindrops were falling on our heads. <laughs> you know, kind of sprinkling and Wallace Bossy uh, said, boys, we better get to that cave. And Bill Whirl said, oh, no, we don't need to do that. It's going to be all right. And Bill Murchison was kind of asleep. And the raindrops began to fall a little harder. And Wallace Bossy said, boys, we better get to that cave. Murchison groaned a little bit. And I said, oh, maybe not. And then it was like somebody unzipped the sky. And the water came pouring through. And it started raining like we couldn't believe. And we dragged the canoes up the side of this quasi cliff lightning bolts shooting around us and those were aluminum crafts and we thought hmm that aluminum's gonna attract that lightning but we got up in that cave and it was like claps of instant broad daylight we could see the entire landscape for miles in a semi-instant of a lightning flash and then we heard this roar that sounded like three or four freight trains. <clears throat> we had some powerful flashlights and we shined the lights on this canyon that was to the side of this cave, kind of in front of this cave and watched a big wall of water and mud and limbs and boulders wash right down where our canoes had been. And we were grateful to be safe in that cave which we spent two nights in that cave waiting for the water to go down. The river rose about 15 feet. And uh, we did some exploring around. The area was rich with ancient campsites, midden mounds. We stayed in that cave for a couple of nights and water went down enough to where we could travel again and late in the day we encountered a rapid that we classified as grade six and knew that we weren't going to run that rapid so we beached the canoe started removing our gear the portage around it and it started raining again and we just stashed all our gear under the canoes and went looking for a dry spot. And I cannot describe the feeling of awe when we stepped inside this shelter and I saw these paintings on the wall. I didn't have a clue at the time that those paintings were there before Moses crossed the Red Sea with the children of Israel. But it was a transforming experience. And that was before Charlton Heston went up on Mount Sinai and God gave him the Ten Commandments. <laughs> and he went down and Edward G. Robinson had seduced the people into melting their gold down, making a calf 
golden calf they were worshiping. That was over 4,000 years in the past. And we stayed in that cave two nights waiting for the river to subside enough to travel again. And I knew my life was forever changed. I started dealing with those images I saw on the wall and spent the next seven years developing a style that was related to them. And I had left Odessa and gone to Houston, went to the University of North Texas on a doctoral fellowship, then down to Houston and taught for six years at Houston Baptist University. And all this time I'm working on this, this style. And thanks to James Busby, who was the chairman of the art department down there, he made contact with me, with the, uh, for me, with the C.G. Ryan galleries in Houston and Santa Fe and got me into that gallery. And it's been a great, been a great climb ever since. People responded to the work. I taught for a few more years at, at HBU. They gave me a unsalaried year's leave of absence. I moved out here to my ranch and I've been making art out here ever since. <laughs> wow. That is just, I could never tire of hearing that story, which I've, I've had the honor of hearing before, but those moments of lightning and thunder and how you were driven to shelter and in that shelter, that you had no choice but to run to, that you would be redirected into what is now, you know, the, the forms that you create and bring to life. I'm so curious, what do you think? I mean, I know for me, as many of you, I don't think you can see, but I have a whirl here, let's see. And it's a necklace. And of course there's um, giant sculptures and paintings and like the one that's behind him. And we've got some pictures we're showing y'all right now of some of his work. Just awesome. It just touches something beyond this world and, and within our hearts for me. But I'm curious to know, world for you, what is it? Because obviously it was so transformative. You got the, the message um, there in the caves what to you, what, what does it represent? You know, what do you think people so respond to your work, to this work? You know, people ask that question. It's hard to answer. Uh, first of all, I want to say that I'm enormously blessed and I'm grateful for the blessings. Uh, I did pay some dues. For example, I was telling somebody earlier today, one of the things I'm really proud of, <laughs> I uh, was burglarized two times in Houston severely and had a fear of living in the apartments such as I had been living in. And 
after the second burglary, uh, I began sleeping on the floor of the pottery sculpture lab at Houston Baptist University. I had a piece of foam rubber and a piece of styrofoam. And every night I'd pull that out on the floor, put my bedroll down and go to bed and think, I got to find me an apartment tomorrow. And I'd look around, I'd see people just loitering around waiting for some easy mark to move in. And I'd become so frightened and fearful. I thought I can make it one more night on the floor. And I think I need to get me a place to live. I can make it one more night. And I made it for three years, sleeping on the floor of the pottery sculpture lab where I taught. Every morning I'd go to the gymnastics gym and get a good workout and shower go back over to the pottery sculpture lab and work on art and teach classes and go back to the lab and work on art till I was so exhausted. I'd drop, throw my bedroll down on the floor and go to sleep. So I paid some dues and I made art when I had no market for the art. I was in love with what I was doing. I was making these sculptures and creating these paintings and I was working at midnight hours under a dim floodlight in the courtyard of the pottery sculpture lab. And I remember making a vow to myself and to God. And the vow I made to myself was, I'm going to make art the way I want to make it. I'm going to make it for me and not for someone else. And if people happen to like it enough to buy it, that's going to be the perquisite. That's the gravy, <laughs> you know, but I'm going to make it for me. And the vow I made to God was that if I ever made it as an artist, I would do everything within my power to assist those who are on the same journey. <laughs> and I've tried to keep both of those vows. I still make art for myself and people love it and that's the gravy. <laughs> and I still try to help my fellow being, people that are on the road to trying to become artists and try to give them a boost. If it hadn't have been for Jim Busby giving me a boost, I might be holding a sign on the street corner right now, we'll sculpt for food. <laughs> well, you know? I, I love that world, thank you, because that of course plays into my chance meeting of you, you know, um, with Stephen Gladstone, who was my attorney, the Christmas that I came and met you, and then yeah. of course went on to meet the Alder Dices, and from that night with them, made my Christmas album, um, which we still, you know, get to celebrate and share. Um, and I want to say I've been witness being in your studio, just having to stop by you guys on any given day, and we've got a few pictures here. On any given day, uh, without COVID, of course, there are people stopping by, and Whirl is stopping to give him his give them his attention. He'll be like going there, and they'll all of a sudden be working on the pottery wheel, or they'll be making something, you know, painting something. 
he is so, so generous um, with with his heart and with his art and with his home. And um, truly that that commitment that you made to yourself and to God, I think it's just it is amazing. You can see and feel the love in in everything you do and all the people that that come you know, to be with you and to celebrate with you. And I, I do want to say this, everybody, um, you know, here he is following his heart, doing it his way and being of generosity and, and of as of today in, in the main corner in, in Santa Fe, New Mexico, there is world's work at the World Gallery in Santa Fe. It's just amazing. How does, what is that like for you? <laughs> After 20 years of pounding the streets, knocking on gallery doors and getting turned down to almost suddenly go to a position where galleries are calling me daily, wanting my work is unbelievable and to think to have thought 30 years ago that I would have a gallery named after me on the most conspicuous corner on planet earth for the type of thing I do. It's just amazing. I'm Mary Adams. Mary Adams has done such a job with that. And of course it goes back to, uh, Clayton and Jenny Ryan accepting my work in Houston and Santa Fe, and then Frank Howell and Cliff Phelps picking up my work in Santa Fe. And they tried for months to get me to leave the Ryan Gallery and go with them, and I wouldn't do it. And finally, I had a disagreement with the director of the Ryan Gallery, and I went with Cliff and Frank, Frank Howell Gallery. And Frank said, you know, go with me. I'll have you in 30 galleries if you want to be in them. And he did. And I was in galleries in Jackson Hole and San Diego and La Jolla and Illinois and Vail and Boulder. And I, I mean, I was, I was in 30 galleries and I was doing 12 shows a year and finally cut that down to the galleries we previously mentioned. So I have a little more decent life. <laughs> so we're back, you guys. Uh, this was such an inspiring, inspiring interview and time with Bill Whirl. You know, of course, I've gotten to watch it um, because, you know, we I helped create it with him, being with him. And it still is inspiring me. That story and what he says, I loved what I was doing. Bottom line, I was love. I was in love with what I was doing and the vow that he made first to himself to do it his way, to please himself. And that if someone else liked it, well, that would be gravy. And where that dreamer's road now has led him to is, you know, just this acclaim and this joy that so many people have received his work, his art, and that it inspires them every day hanging in their home or on their property. 
Um, I do want to say that there is a documentary that is amazing that was made on Whirl. It's called The Garden of Thorns. And it was by Eric Thines. And you can see this documentary if you go to Amazon. Just go to Amazon and Google The Garden of Thorns, the Bill Whirl story. It's an hour long. It costs a couple of dollars. It's amazing. So well done. You know, he just did it because he was so inspired by world's work and his art. And um, also want to say, remind you all, we mentioned it, that there are three places now. It's been whittled down to three places where you can get world's art. The first one is Exposures International in Sedona, Arizona, this most fabulous gallery. So you can check out his work his own, the World Gallery in Santa Fe, New Mexico, where he's right there on the corner, you know, in the center of everything. And of course, in Texas, you can buy and find his his things, uh, Sandstone Cellars in, in Mason, Texas. So I encourage you all to check him out. Also, I'm honored to say that I was so inspired by the interview that this dreamer um, decided to share more of the world story and 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 what inspired him and and moved him along his road so when you join us two weeks from now you're going to get to hear the rest of world's story but before we go tonight i want to share a special moment as you all know my passion my passion is honky tonk mariachi this this blending of the cultures of mexico you know i um went to Mexico when I was 18. My dad came and got me um, after high school and he took me to Mexico and I fell in love. I was like, he's like, Mija, this is who you are. It was just the people, the art, the colors, the music, the passion. I was like, that's me. That's me. Even the shape of the women. I'm like, that's how I am. That's me. And so it's been a lifelong passion. How do I bring that love of my culture, of who I am to country music? You know, because I grew up in the honky tonks of Texas. You know, Lukenbach really was my second home. Margie the bartender was my babysitter. And so, you know, it took a long road to bring these two together to make what is now Honky Tonk Mariachi. But on the way, of course, I met some of my other favorite people, Mariachis. And here now in Nashville, Tennessee, one of my dearest friends is Mr. Juan Diego Sandoval, and he came over and we did what we do. He came over and in, in right in my carport, <laughs> we turned it into a little cantina. And uh, I said, Diego, man, I want you to share with me. Um, let's sing some songs. These are songs that, you know, we're playing in the backyard of my abuelita's house. You know, there'd be country music, Patsy Cline, Willie Nelson, but there'd also be these classic songs from Mexico that most of you guys know because you've heard them somewhere in a cantina or you know in san antonio on the river walk but we wanted to bring you a little bit a little taste of this i want to send this out first of all to bill whirl um i just love you my brother and i look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks and sharing more of your magic and also uh, want to send this out to my Theo Rudy down in San Antonio and to all you guys. I hope you have a little cantina in your heart tonight. This is for you from me and Diego Sandoval.
De la sierra morena, cielito lindo, vienen bajando un par de ojitos negros, cielito lindo de contrabando. De la sierra morena, cielito lindo, vienen bajando un par de ojitos negros, cielito lindo de contrabando. Ay, 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 canta y no llores, porque cantando se alegran, cielito lindo, los corazones. Ay, 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 sí, señor. que tiene cielito lindo junto a la boca no se lo des a nadie cielito lindo que a mí me toca ese lunar que tiene cielito lindo junto a la boca no se lo des a nadie cielito lindo que a mí me toca ¿Cómo dice Esteban y Ay, 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 canta y no llores, porque cantando se alegran, cielito lindo, los corazones. Ay, 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 ay canta y no llores, porque cantando se alegran, cielito lindo, los corazones. Sí, señor. Qué bonito este, madre, qué bonito. We hope you're enjoying this broadcast of Dreamers Road with Stephanie Urbina-Jones and the Honky Tonk Mariachi. You can support the Dreamers Road through music and merchandise. Visit www.honkytonkmariachi.com. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that. We had so much fun making it. Well, by the next time I see you, we're going to be into the new year. It's been a really long, wild ride. I'm not even going to say good or bad. We all had our own experience with it. It sure grew me. I don't know about you, but I've had to live and learn a lot. Someone gave me some great advice. They said, you know what, Stephanie, besides making your new agreements and your dreams for the new year and your goals beside those resolutions, maybe spend a little time finding some gratitude for the things that have been grown and felt and loved and dreams over this past year that we've all been through together. They said, Stephanie, I invite you to make a list of not of what you have to do, but what you have done, what you've accomplished, the love that you've made, the moments that mattered the most with people you love 
And I just want you all to know how grateful I am to be in your life. If you're watching, that means that we've connected in some large or small way. I want to thank my guest, Bill Whirl. Um, I want to thank Mike Stewart, uh, our, our man that makes this all happen, and my manager, Preston Sullivan, my husband, Jeremy Pager, who helps me with all these little things that we're creating all the time. And I, I just wish you all the very best. I hope you have a prayer in your heart and some joy as we step into the new year of 2021 and we dream a new dream for our planet and for our lives. We'll see you in two weeks with a little bit more of music, dreaming, and Mr. Bill World. Muchisimas gracias. Adios. Check us out at everything honky tonk mariachi.com, you guys. We'll see you next time. Muchisimas gracias, y'all. Thank you for watching The Dreamer's Road with Stephanie Urbina Jones and the Honky Tonk Mariachi. You can keep up with us on Facebook, Instagram, and by everything at honkytonkmariachi.com. Remember, above all, some dreams are worth dreaming a lifetime to live. Muchisimas gracias. Adios, mis amigos.